In the most recent weeks, Utah's experienced a significant COVID-19 spike, and with the increased number of cases come more experiences with the virus. Even the most cautious can get infected, which I myself experienced. We sat down with Dr. Nadim Bakazi for our most recent COVID-19 update about prevention, treatment, and action that we can take as we progress into the next cold and festive months. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. I'm Parker Shaw, and with the help of my team and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Hi, everybody. This is Parker from Ogden Clinic's marketing team, and we are here back with Dr. Nadine Bakazi for a COVID-19 update. Dr. Bakazi, it's good to hear from you again. Hey, Parker. Great to hear from you, and I'm glad you're doing better after experiencing uh, the COVID-19 infection. Yeah, I feel like I felt this kind of a big ironic thing because after talking about it so much and learning so much about it, I became a victim myself. But yeah, thank you so much. I'm feeling much better and I'm glad to be here. Thanks. So we wanted to jump right in, Dr. Bakazi, and get an update. It's been quite a while since we've done a COVID-19 update, um, and we'd like to get some um, some feedback from you and your perspective. Um, could you kind of just start by letting our audience know a little bit about where we are uh, here in Utah with numbers and situation with the hospitals? What Could you begin with that? Yeah, sure. So October 19th finds Utah in the middle of a spike. It's been going on for the last several weeks. Uh, their cases are about between 1,000 to 1,200 a day right now, which is actually pretty high when you compare to some national numbers for the for our state's population. Uh, a lot of people speculate, Parker, that it's from people returning back to school and the fact that we have a pretty open economy that uh, even though we're taking the appropriate precautions and uh, the increased numbers of tests and the congregations of people are leading to these spikes. Fortunately, right. Utah is following the trend nationally where death rates are not spiking, they're actually going down even though we're seeing more numbers. So when you mm-hmm. look at the numbers of tests being done, the, the percentages of tests going up, they're not seeing the percentages of death go up commensurate with the testing being done, which is great right. news. Some yeah. people speculate that's because of earlier and better treatment. We'll get into some of the details of that. And some people think that the virus may be mutating kind of to a less virulent form than what was seen in the spring slash summertime. Right. Well, yeah, we could totally hope for that. I think that's uh, a very positive perspective. And I think that's great to hear that the death rate is going down. With Utah's numbers spiking, I think it kind of begs the question, like, what should we be doing in terms of prevention? Would you mind talking about that point for a moment? Yeah, I I think it's really important with the holidays around the corner to really um, underscore the preventative measures we can take. And there's a few that are really significant. Obviously, mask wearing around bigger gatherings is really going to become imperative, especially as we get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. If we're around older relatives who want to be very cognizant to keep their masks on, make sure that everyone uses hand sanitizer. Anyone that's possibly been exposed to anybody, stay out of that house just because we don't want to be infecting grandparents and we really want to consider their safety. Remember the high-risk groups, those with diabetes, hypertension, asthma, those comorbidities seem to lend to a worse outcome if someone does get an infection. So that would be first step is mask wearing, hand washing, and protecting those that are the most vulnerable. The second uh, 
kind of tier that I think of is what can we do to get our bodies in the best shape possible so just in case we are infected, that it tends to have a much less vigorous and, and virulent course in our bodies. So a couple of things that have really been shown to be significant. First of all, making sure we're up to speed on our immunizations. Everyone wants to make sure they get their flu shot. That's going to be imperative that you don't get a double whammy of the regular influenza infection and then right. COVID as well. So that's really significant. Another thing is make sure that vitamins are really up to speed, particularly zinc. Uh, taking a daily allotment of zinc, which come in tablets, 40 milligram, make sure your body is replenished with zinc. Uh, also vitamin C and vitamin D. There seems to be some initial evidence that those that are most severely infected with the virus and that do the worst tend to be vitamin D deficient. And mm -hmm. in Utah, many of us are already vitamin D deficient because we lack uh, going out in the sun for enough uh, time in the winter time because of of it being so cold so i think it's really important that people get vitamin d tested you can get up to speed right away with vitamin d by taking it as an as a oral medication and you can also get an im shot to kind of get your body stores up enough there seems to be some effect on vitamin d and immune function and many people speculate that the reason we get viruses in the winter time is because our vitamin d stores go down makes our immune system more susceptible to getting colds, and that's why colds tend to spread in the winter time. For uh, sure. Also, daily allotments of vitamin C as well. All of these things, Parker, will get our body in kind of tip-top shape that if a virus, we get exposed to it, we're going to have the best chance to fight it off with a much less severe outcome. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think if, you know, if everyone's doing their part, not only with prevention, you know, as you mentioned, with masks and um, you know, considering who you're being around and all those sort of preventative things, but also doing our part to, you know, not only maintain ourselves like healthily, but I think it's it's good even if we weren't even having a virus to have like enough vitamin D and and vitamin C and zinc because it, it really just helps your body function to its max capacity. Which so thank you so much for for those tips. Um, as for yeah, some, there are some people, I just want to interrupt. Some people even believe that the higher rates of multiple sclerosis that are seen in northern climates has to do with vitamin D deficiency. So to, just to emphasize the point you made, it's really important that we do this annually with, with or without COVID, that we make sure that we're taking vitamin D as a supplementation. Realize you get vitamin D fortified in some dairy products, but a lot of people don't eat dairy. And so it's hard to get enough vitamin D by the outdoor sun because we're wearing sunscreen due to prevention of skin cancer. So when you take the combination of not getting enough in the diet, which is found in fatty fish like sardines, mackerel, salmon, as well as fortified dairy products and some cereals, if you're not eating those things regularly and you're not out in the sun much, you're going to be vitamin D deficient. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense to me. And I I feel like I'm probably vitamin D deficient. It makes me make, I feel like I need to do the same thing myself. So I really appreciate that. I think that's some great advice for um, our fellow Utahns and listeners, for sure. As for, you know, people that do get the virus, um, do you mind if we talk a little bit about treatment? Yeah, so I kind of look at treatment in the early stages and the mid to later stages. So early on, you're going, people, those who have been infected, and you could corroborate this too, you're going to feel like you have the flu. You're going to have muscle aches, uh, mu uh, joint pains, uh, oftentimes a fever. It doesn't always have to be high, but in many people's it is. You can develop a pretty dry hacking cough and you just feel really run down and miserable, lo low energy, high degree of fatigue. In those early stages, it's really important that you start supplementing with zinc lozenges 
every two to four hours. The side effect of doing too much zinc is you'll often get some nausea and some stomach irritation. But zinc has been shown reliably on meta-analyses to reduce the ability of viruses to propagate, including COVID. And so that's one thing that is kind of a low-hanging fruit that people can get zinc lozenges over the counter. The other thing you want to consider is consider starting a Z-Pak or a macrolide antibiotic uh, there seems to be an anti-inflammatory effect of the antibiotics that seem to be protective against people. And most of the studies that have shown improvement in less severe uh, symptoms with treatment have to do with things like Zithromax. So I think those are your two early things in addition to symptomatic relief with ibuprofen or Tylenol. Um, right. Then if the virus pr progresses to be more of difficulty breathing, you definitely want to be evaluated, possibly in the emergency room. But that's the point where they have shown studies of dexamethasone having a great effect of reducing more, uh, morbidity of lung function by getting steroids involved. So steroids are not important early. They're more important towards the mid and latter portions of the illness at reducing the inflammatory effects and its damage on the lung and possibly even the heart tissue. And you get that obviously through prescription. But if you're having trouble breathing, being evaluated in the emergency room is really critical. And they'll make a decision there whether you're a candidate to receive a burst of steroids or not. Right. And those are some really good signs to look for. So if I can just interject a little bit, um, I think one thing that is really interesting about the virus is just that, you know, depending on your age and the symptoms that you have, you know, they're all so different. And I was really shocked when I started developing the COVID-19 symptoms because I felt like mine were really different than those I've heard about in my age group. Um, I kind of thought like if I were to ever go through COVID-19 prior to my experience, um, that it would be just really similar to like a cold or a flu. And I did have those symptoms. I, I remember prior to having some of my more severe symptoms, I woke up with a sore throat and runny nose and a headache and fever and um, I just kind of really thought, okay, this is a seasonal colder flu. I kind of, prior to having my COVID symptoms, I had broken my collarbone. So I knew that my immune system was probably pretty, pretty compromised, I guess, at that point. And without knowing, you know, after a couple of days had passed, I was experiencing some more severe symptoms, uh, specifically with breathing and uh, back pain. And I thought that was really interesting because I knew that shortness of breath was a common symptom, but having not experienced that in the form of asthma or anything before, it kind of scared me. And I was like, oh, what's happening to my body? And I was really shocked that I was experiencing that symptom. Like I said, you know, I'm younger and feel like I, I have pretty good health. But um, and then the back pain that accompanied, accompanied that was kind of what drove me to get my oxygen levels tested and get my COVID test, which ended up being positive. So I think one thing that's really interesting, like I said, was just a lot of the people that I, you know, that are in my age group, you know, 25 to 35, um, I've, I've talked to and like have gone through COVID and their symptoms were so different, just just mild and not too bad. But I think it's if, if this taught me anything is just that you never know how your body will respond to a sickness or a virus, which is why I think, you know, knowing prevention and treatment and signs to look for is so important and helps you be prepared in the long run. So yeah, I just it's thought I'd really, add that in there. Yeah. It's a really important emphasis that you gave, uh, Parker. I thank you for sharing it because, you know, we find that some people, we don't, can't predict really who this is, 
But some people uh, will will have what they call a cytokine storm. Their immune system kind of goes on high alert and starts secreting all of these immunomodulators that really cause tremendous damage to both the lung and vascular system. They found this back in the 1918 flu that a lot of young people actually had a more fulminant course because they had such a robust immune system and they would trigger the cytokine release. This virus tends to be much more haphazard, that it's not really particularly young or old, although young people tend to do better, there still are some young people that are showing up with some inflammatory disease in vessels called Kawasaki's disease, and there's some young kids that seem to have that. So I really believe it, it depends on the strain of the virus, but really specifically depends on your own immune system. And if your immune system tends to react in a very fulminant way, then you can have these more severe side effects of difficulty breathing. And it's really important to understand that that is a more severe course and you need to be seen in the emergency room because you may need some help with some uh, inhalers, uh, steroids, and other breathing treatments uh, to prevent it from worsening. Definitely. Well, thanks for thanks for adding that. I totally agree. It's something that, yeah, people should, especially young people, should be be wary of. Um, because after, I don't know, I've just felt like, you know, I'm glad that I've had it and gone through it, but I would never wish that on anybody. And I, I can only imagine what, like, my symptoms would be like if it was an older person or uh, someone that doesn't have quite as strong of a, an immune system to respond to. So it is kind of a scary thing, kind of just changing directions a little bit. As we're entering a little bit of colder time, you've talked about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, a big question that comes to mind is, you know, people are considering, well, what should I be doing, you know, trick-or-treating wise, Halloween, you know, we have all these fun festivities. And what do you think that parents and young people and people should consider as they're trying to safely celebrate what's most closely to us right now, which is Halloween? Yeah, I think that um, really being careful of social distances and making sure the celebration is limited to maybe people's yard or, or cul-de-sacs to just a few families and trying to keep some distance. There's a way to still enjoy Halloween with the kids. It's not necessarily going to be the door-to-door trick-or-treating, but it can still be a fun experience of you know, every neighborhood kind of celebrates in their own way, but still maintain social distance. It's definitely going to be a different Halloween. But I think the the old ways of going door to door and just grabbing candy, that's not going to really be advisable because you just don't know, you know, you're increasing your exposure and to the people who are giving out the candy, you're increasing their exposure. So I think it's going to have to be on a much more limited basis. But I, I'm impressed by the creativity that neighborhoods and families have shown that they can do smaller gatherings that can still be quite fun uh, and uh, still maintain some distancing. But it's definitely going to be different than usual. Oh, for sure. And I, I agree. I think this, that the virus has really pushed us out of our comfort zones in a lot of ways. But I think, like you mentioned, the creativity and ingenuity of people and trying to find ways to not get around it, but um, celebrate safely is really impressive. And and I, I think there's a lot we can learn. And it'll be interesting to see what sticks, you know, in following years and following celebrations as we um, learn and grow from this period, for sure. Well, Dr. Bakazi, <clears throat> is there anything else you'd want to highlight or talk about as we're wrapping things up today? No, I think the main thing is just to emphasize that, uh, number one, don't be fearful of this. I mean, if you get uh, infected, there's things you can do, certainly in preparation, but also in management that can really reduce the viral course for yourself or your family. Uh, I think, um, you know, these videos are just meant to kind of distill down or cut to the basic things that I think are necessary. So people go into this prepared. And I think we're going to get through 
the fall time and winter time really well in Utah. We tend to have one of the lower death rates in the country here. So I think we we tend to be hit with the less virulent of the virus. And I think uh, we tend to have a healthier population, which I think bodes very well for the upcoming months. But just encourage people, they're going to do great and they're going to get through the next several months. And we're going to look towards a new year for being a lot better than what we've experienced so far. Yeah, I think we're all really anxious to see um, a positive 2021 ahead of us. And uh, thank you so much for that positive um, acknowledgement. I think, you know, we will we'll get through this and it'll be okay. Um, it's not going to be the funnest of times, but I think, you know, we've got through, I think, eight months of this. We can really just get through this last stretch, hopefully, and uh, see some resolution here soon. So, well, thank you so much for jumping on the call with me today, Dr. Bacazzi. It was great to talk with you. For sure, Parker, is great. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm glad you're doing better. Awesome. Well, thank you. And for everybody that's tuned in, this has been Dr. Nadine Bakazi, one of our ear, nose, and throat specialists here at Ogden Clinic. You can find more information about Dr. Bakazi at ogdenclinic.com and also find out more information about coronavirus, COVID-19 testing, flu season, and other topics at ogdenclinic.com. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers, or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcasts app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.